Welcome to the Wellness Members Club. What is the Wellness Members Club? This is your safe space to get real with yourself. Where you get vulnerable and you feel validated. And an aesthetically pleasing place to talk about the ugly truth of life. Welcome Welcome to the club, club, sis. Hello, hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Wellness Members Club. Today is a super exciting episode. I have here with me Alex King. She's a holistic woman's nutritionist who specializes in helping women with balancing their hormones, side effects of the pill, and cycle syncing. So welcome, Alex. I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat today. Of course. And I was telling you a little bit earlier, but I could not be more grateful that you're here because the last six months of my hormones have been hell. So we're going to learn a lot here and hopefully get myself back on track. (laughs) But we start off our episodes with what is going well about our week and what is going unwell about our week. So do you want to start us off? Sure. I recently got a kitten. So I would say he's what's well. I recently lost a cat and there was a big void. And so just happened to get him and he's just been filling my heart. He's five months, so he's still a little bit crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> having some problems, knocking stuff over, but he's so sweet. Unwell. It's January. So I've been seeing so much on social media right now. And just sometimes I can't help that comparisonitis when I go on social media and I'm just thinking, oh, I'm not doing enough and whatnot. And then I'm in Toronto and Canada. So the winter blues are hitting pretty hard right now with the weather's like minus 20 Celsius. And it's just a little rough. But other than that, not too many complaints. Yeah. Oh, getting a kitten is so fun. That's so exciting. Congrats. But yeah, I'm in New Jersey. And right now it's actually currently snowing and it's 12 degrees Fahrenheit. So I can relate to that. It's actually painful to go outside. (laughs) So that is my unwell too, that it's snowing and painful. But my well is I'm going to LA and Malibu next Wednesday. So when this episode comes out, I'll be probably traveling. But I'm super excited for that. I'm actually going with Abby and our other friends. So just a change of scenery and warmer weather. I looked, it's like, I think 70s and we're there. I'm like, thank God, this is the perfect time to get out of here. That's the perfect weather. Oh, I would love to escape to California right now. So bad. Yeah, I'm super (laughs) excited. But to start us off, can you tell me a little bit about your story and what got you passionate about helping others heal their hormones? For sure. I would say it started when I was 13 and I ended up having emergency surgery to remove a ruptured cyst that was twisting and torting my left ovary. I had experienced really heavy, painful periods ever since I got my first period. And I had missed so much school, so many events, sleepovers with friends, parties, beach events, you name it. And I was just missing so much school that one morning, again, I was missing school because of my cramps. And my mom was like, okay, if you're really in that much pain, I'm going to take you to emerge. And I, for some reason, as women, we always want to make ourselves seem smaller and not a problem. So instantly my brain went to, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And then quickly I realized, oh no, I'm in so much pain. And so we go and in the emergency room, 
as you're getting seated, they ask you what your pain level is on a scale of one to 10. And I lied and I said a six. And then we're sitting there and I'm just trying to stay up and sitting in my chair and alert. And my mom went and grabbed some food and brought it back. And instantly when she brought it back, I dumped everything out of the bag and I was throwing up. I was so sick. And I said, okay, mom, listen, I lied. I said it was a six out of 10. I'm like a 12 out of 10. And so she said, well, you have to go tell her. So we told her, they put me in the back. They did an ultrasound. And basically they were like, okay, we see some stuff. We need to get you into emergency surgery. So they rushed me in. And as I'm in the gurney, they were like, do you want to know any details? I was like, absolutely not because I'm going to freak myself <laughs> out. Don't tell me anything. You can tell my mom, I'll sign the release, whatever you need. And then after that, they talked with my family doctor, the surgeon, and they said, you're going to have to go on the birth control pill until you want to get pregnant, come off, get pregnant, easy peasy, go back on the pill until you reach menopause. And they didn't tell me about any of the, the side effects or any of that. So I went on the pill and my mood changed. And my mom was like, oh, you are not my daughter. Who are you? And so eventually it took, I think, three different pills before I was on one decided to come off in university because my mom was worried about fertility aspects. And when I came off, I ended up back in Emerge from heavy periods, painful periods, and then went back on the pill. And when I started studying holistic nutrition, I really learned everything about the birth control pill. And I was like, okay, hey, this time I'm going to come off, but I'm going to have a plan and I'm going to do it right. And I came off in 2018 and it was the easiest thing ever. Uh, I definitely ha loved ha having prepared my body that second time and had no rebound, no acne after my painful periods subside for a long time. And then just recently, however, I was diagnosed with endometriosis, fibroids, and a polycystic ovary. So I was like, okay, this is explaining some of the painful periods in the last couple years. But between when I came off the pill and a few years after, everything was fine and dandy. And then in 2020, there was a lot of stress and I was working so many jobs and it was just crazy. I didn't get time to rest and relax and really process everything that was going on. I was just working so much and so stressed. And I think that caused a lot of my issues and worsening of my endometriosis and my cramps. And so now I'm on the journey of healing that and working on that and getting everything back into balance. So that's a little bit about me. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. It's like, when can we win here? Like stress <laughs> throws it off. Everything throws it off. Being a female in your twenties. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's rough out here. Yeah. It's so true though. I went on birth control at 17. They told me absolutely nothing about side effects or anything. So it's so common. I think that's why as a collective now, all of us are waking up and I'm like, is this good for my body? Is this not good for my body? So I can definitely relate to that as well. But let's just dive into the pill and like, what is your personal take on, is it good for us? Is it bad for us? What do you recommend for birth control? Right. It's such a popular topic. And I'm actually really glad it's being talked about. I see it all the time on TikTok, on Instagram, people just like you said, waking up because we were not taught, or at least I for sure was not taught anything about it. You get the side effects in your pill box, but do you ever really open it up and read 
everything. I didn't. I looked at it and I thought, mm, I'm just putting this in the recycling bin. There's definitely pros and cons, the good, the bad, the ugly. It can be great for a lot of reasons. If you're someone who's trying to go to school, university, college, grad school, whatever it is, and you don't want kids, the main purpose is preventing pregnancy, birth control. But over 60% of people don't use it for preventing babies. They use it for acne and regulating their period or cramps are the most common big. causes. Yeah. With for your skin? It was for, I actually had a cyst on my ovaries and they were like, yeah, this will get rid of it. And it did. Right. Yeah. So they say it'll get rid of it. Same with endometriosis. They say, oh, it'll get rid of it. It doesn't get rid of anything. It masks the problem. So as you're, and we can talk about you too if you did come off, but as you're coming off, you might notice all these symptoms coming back. So cysts, whether it's PCOS, acne can come back, all sorts of hormones can get imbalanced when coming off. Because if you had issues before, you went on the pill, it shuts down that brain and ovary connection. So it shuts down any of the hormones you would naturally make and you're supplying your body with these hormones. And so the body goes, oh, we're getting hormones in, so we don't need to make any. So that's why you feel really good sometimes on the pill because you're not making high amounts of estrogen or higher low amounts of progesterone, depending on what type of birth control you're on, because you're not making those. You're supplying them in a very specific dose, depending on the birth control that you're on. Um, some side effects that aren't really talked about. There's tons from cancer to digestion. So you're at an increased risk of certain cancers. You're three times more likely to get Crohn's disease. Clots are a big one as well, especially if you smoke or you're prone to clotting disorders. It depletes a lot of nutrients as well, which is a, a hot topic. It can change who you're attracted to as well. So they did all sorts of studies. I with, heard that. That's with, crazy. Yeah, with pheromones. <laughs> so when you're on birth control, you're more likely to choose someone who's more genetically close to you and uh, more soft feminine like features. Whereas if you're off birth control pill, you're more likely to choose someone who's different genetically to you because it increases the chances of higher immune system. And then you choose more of that rough guy, sharp jaw, the bad boy when you're not on the pill or and or around ovulation as well. So it changes a lot of stuff. Yeah, definitely digestive issues in a lot of people as well. Depression is a big one. It changes moods, especially in the first one to two years, which was something I experienced the just in the first couple days. Luckily for me, it didn't last that long. But typically in the first one to two years, there's a higher rate of depression, which then can lead you down a cycle of, okay, well, now I have depression. Let me go on an antidepressant or anti-anxiety meds, depending what you're dealing with. And now you're on another medication with more side effects. And so it's just yeah, you can get down this whole rabbit hole instead of balancing everything a bit more naturally with less side effects. And really getting to the root. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of masking. Yes. And you asked about other birth control options. So there's a ton depending how much you want to get to know your body. I would recommend that. Some people want to more set it and forget it. Some people are like, no, I'm, I'm ready to do the work. So I would recommend getting to know your body again. So 
that's the first thing I recommend when coming off a birth control pill. If you don't want to get pregnant, you need a backup plan. Mm -hmm. Really learning your body. You can track cervical fluid or cervical mucus. You can track your temperature. Uh, I like the LH strips too. They're pretty inexpensive. You can get them very easily. And that's just a urine test that you can test for ovulation. And apps now are getting so smart. So the Aura Ring will track your temperature and then automatically connect it to an app. And so it's getting a lot easier. And some of my clients for a set it and forget it option want the copper IUD. There's still a lot of cons with that as well. That one is non-hormonal. So it is an option also. Yeah. My friend actually has the aura ring. She loves it and she takes her temperature and that really works for her, which I was definitely open to doing. And I'll tell you a little bit about where I am in my journey right now. But the IUD, I've heard horror stories of getting it in and then the pain afterwards. A hundred percent. And it can dislodge too while it's in your body or if you're having sex, it can get pulled out like all sorts of, yeah, it can... (laughs) travel to other areas and get stuck and cause issues and there so there are side effects with that so and and yeah a lot of doctors downplay the pain it takes to insert it like they clamp onto your uterus it's very painful from what i hear i haven't had that luckily yeah. not on wood but from what i hear it's very painful and a lot of women are being gaslit when they are getting it put in or taken out and education is number one to see what your options are and what you're willing to do and not willing to do. Yeah. Personally, that's just like absolutely not. <laughs> I'm also a baby getting stuff done, but I do have friends that like it. And like, I don't want to say that it's a horror to get an IUD in, but yeah, not for me at all. So I'll tell you a little bit about my journey right now. So I came off the pill January of 2023. And then I was thriving. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. I tried to prep. Like I took some vitamins. I took probiotics. Thriving until October. So it's 10 months later. I started breaking out around my chin, like severe. I don't think I had acne like that in high school even. And now I'm back on it (laughs) because (laughs) I got to fix it. I'm like, no, I can't live my life like this. But coming off the pill... Can you run us through how to prep your body? And I know you said the second time you went off of it, it was like smooth sailing and way better. I'd love to hear that. Yes, 100%. And it's so common too. I don't know what the stats are because I don't know if they studied that about the amount of women that go back on the pill when they experience, especially anything outward, whether it's weight gain or skin, hair thinning, anything like that. It's like, okay, I'm going to go back on because it's scary, right? And you don't know what's going on with your health. but When you come off of, let's say, the pill, there can be something called androgen rebound. So all of a sudden, your androgens like testosterone and DHA are all out of whack, and your body's like, what the heck is going on? And so that's what can cause some of that acne is that androgen rebound. I'm personally a fan of also testing hormones if you're off anything hormonal, any of that hormonal IUD or birth control, and then you can really see what's causing the acne. Also, if anything happened around October, any big stressful event, move, trauma, car accident, death in the family, anything like that can trigger some sort of gut imbalance or anything like that. Any stress or trauma really impacts the gut and then can cause some of those hormones to go out of whack. So something also to consider. Yeah. But when you're prepping your body, after seeing so many clients and doing this myself, I really came up with basically a signature method. So 
I already mentioned what I would do first is pick a new birth control if you're not trying to get pregnant. That's first and foremost, if you don't want a baby, have something in place. Because when you're coming off the pill, your hormones can be a little out of whack, your ovulation is shifting, your body's learning its natural rhythm again. So have a plan in place for that. And then tracking your cycle, getting an alignment, practicing some cycle syncing. So really just that education piece, start to learn your body. When you're on the pill, sometimes your cervical fluid or cervical mucus doesn't change at all, but it does go through ebbs and flows as you go throughout your cycle. So start to pay attention when it's more watery, when it's more thick and glue-like. And then we want to Do you have an app that you recommend that tracks well? I love Clue at the moment. That's my go-to, my first and foremost. But let me pull up my phone. I have them all. I use Flow. And now I don't really use Flow because I'm back on the pill. So it's like I don't need to track anything. But when I was tracking, that was helpful. But yeah, I didn't have the cervical fluid tracking. It was just like, when is my period and what are my symptoms? Flow? The thing I love about Clue is that it's female-owned, and last I heard, I don't share your data with any third-party anyone else out there. Your data is your data, whereas Flow uh, is male-owned, so it's a lot of not intuitive tracking, potentially, and then also they may share your data with third parties. So I know in the States, there's, or in the last few years, there's been a lot going on with reproductive rights and things like that. So if your app Mm -hmm. sees that you got pregnant or anything like that, so just to be on the safer side if you are in the States and talking about abortion rights and and all that kind of stuff. So flow is not my number one. Something to think about, but I know a lot of people have years and years of data with flow and they don't want to change and that's totally fair. So Mm. yeah, when I was hearing about all that, I made the switch to Clue. There's another one called FEM, FEM, and right on the homepage, it does, you can track your bleeding right there and you can also track your cervical mucus. So it has dry, pasty, moist, and slippery. And then there's all sorts of other data that you can track so this one's pretty intuitive i don't know if you Mm -hmm. can see but okay yeah yeah, you can track like all sorts like your mood and all sorts of stuff at the bottom and then at the front you can track your blood and your cervical mucus as well so that one's pretty intuitive if you just want to open the homepage and click but yeah i'm so dedicated to clue now like you can track all sorts of symptoms and then it'll show you your ovulation window too so in the blue you can see I'm coming up to ovulation. Oh, yeah. Uh, perfect time to do a podcast if we're talking cycles and things. <laughs> but yeah, so I like that one. Of course, ovulation, you're going to, it's an app, right? So it's automatically generated. It's not 100% that you'll ovulate during that time. But back to preparing your body, I can get off on like, <laughs> a lot of side tangents. Uh, replenish your body of those nutrients that the pill depleted is very important. And then focusing on eating well, gut health, liver health, stress, sleep, and then toxins are the big ones that I would focus on. Okay. And then to dive in a little bit into vitamins and minerals that the birth control depletes you of. So I feel like I hear 10 million things. And I'm like, I don't know what to take. It's just too much. And me personally, I feel like I'm sensitive to taking a lot of different supplements. And that actually makes me break out unless I know I need it. I don't necessarily want to take it. 
And I know you said testing, which I never got done. So that would be step one for me to get my hormones <laughs> tested. But step two is like, are there common minerals that the birth control pill depletes you of? Yes, it depletes you of magnesium is a big one because stress will also deplete you of magnesium and it has over 500 enzymatic activities in the body. So it's really important. There's a whole book that this woman, Carolyn Dean, wrote specifically on magnesium. It's just there's so much to know about it. Uh, zinc is a big one, especially for skin. So zinc balancing out those androgens, testosterone, and skin. And then it depletes B vitamins, but B vitamins can make some people break out, specifically B12. So that's the tricky thing. If you're low in B12, it's important to replenish your low levels. But in some people, they have, based on their genetics, it can cause some breakouts, something to keep in mind. Uh, vitamin D, CoQ10. Uh, I feel like there's a few others that I'm missing. But a good multivitamin will cover all the basics, make sure you're eating really well. So that's a case where I do recommend a multivitamin or a prenatal if you're low in iron levels, just to get those nutrients back up so you can start to support your body again. And then really focusing on gut always first and then liver. So liver is real important to detox out some of those excess hormones, just support everything our liver goes through the ringer. It goes through so much just based on our modern environment. Everything gets filtered through the liver. Medications, supplements, hormones, the air quality, perfumes, toxins, all of it goes through your liver. And so we need to support our liver to cycle some of these excess hormones out that we're receiving from either the environment, plastics, soy products, things like that. And then gut first and foremost, because if you're detoxing naturally as your liver does, then it has nowhere else to go. So we want to get rid of everything from our stool as well. So we want to support gut and then liver, especially for skin. Got it. Can you walk me through, like, let's say I want to come off the pill in two months, right? Do you recommend taking these vitamins before I even come off the pill or should I get tested if I'm depleted? Because what I know off the bat, no, right? Without no. getting tested. Yes, but you can't test your hormones while you're on the pill because it wouldn't be inaccurate, right? That's the tricky part. I wish there was a way around this, but you go based on how you're feeling. How are your symptoms? How's your skin looking? How's your energy? Are you sleeping well? Are you eating well? What are your stress levels like? I do a deep dive in an intake form with my clients. So I really get to know them. What's your gut like? Are you regular? Are you not regular? Skin? Do you have low libido? All these things. And then based on symptoms, then I can start supplementing, also supporting gut and liver, like I mentioned. And I recommend at least if you have three months before coming off the birth control pill, that would be ideal. Same thing if you're trying for fertility or pregnancy, at least minimum three months. And then you can have that easy transition off. And then minimum, I would say wait three weeks to get your blood tested. Ideally, though, I know because a lot of my clients want to get their hormones tested right away. So minimum three weeks, but ideally you're waiting three months to get an accurate picture, especially if you're spending $500, $600 on something like the Dutch test, which is super comprehensive then I say, okay, let's just wait three months. We'll do everything else in between, set up the foundations, get you on some supplements based on your symptoms, and then we can do 
a Dutch test. Uh, you can also do a GI map test in the meantime. So that would be a comprehensive gut test. If you feel like based on your symptoms and intuitively something's off with your gut, that's something you can do for testing wise in the meantime while you're waiting to test your hormones. Okay. And then what is the Dutch test and how would I get my hands on that? Who do I go to? Great question. So it's a functional test and it's done through urine and saliva, depending on which markers you're getting done. So the hormones would be through urine. And then if you get on an added cortisol awakening response, which is your stress hormones, that would be through saliva. So it's basically these paper strips that you dip in your urine at specific times throughout the day. And then it maps out and it charts out all your hormones, what they're doing, the different pathways they're going through. It's really one of the coolest things ever. And I love incorporating it in my practice because you can really see, for instance, on blood work, they would just test one type of estrogen, but there's actually three different types of estrogens like sisters. So the three sisters of estrogen. So there's a green pathway, red and blue pathway, just to simplify it on the Dutch chest. And the green pathway would be the safest. You want most of your estrogen going through there, being detoxed out. And then you have uh, the red estrogen, which is more harmful, prone to more estrogen dominant cancers. And then you have the blue pathway, which is more proliferative, meaning things are more likely to grow, whether it's cysts, endometriosis, PCOS, if we're thinking like that. And then you can see all the pathways of your androgens as well. So it breaks down DHEA, DHEA, S, testosterone. And then what I love specifically for skin on the Dutch chest is you can see all the pathway of testosterone and then it breaks down into two. So you're either an alpha or a beta. And I find, same with on my test and a lot of my clients who struggle with acne, we all favor the alpha pathway, which is the more androgenic, means you're more prone to things like acne. So when I can see if it's high or low, then I can start supplementing to support that specific pathway. If you favor alpha, so you're more likely to get acne and more of those male dominant symptoms, then I can supplement appropriately once I see the breakdown of everything and I can see how you're sleeping, what your stress levels are like. And then it does other markers like B6, B12, some brain markers as well. So it really breaks everything down into detail. Interesting. Okay. So the Dutch test, you really don't need to go to a doctor necessarily. I just order that and do it myself. You can order it on the Dutch website or through some sort of functional practitioner, nutritionist, naturopathic doctor who would be able to order it for you. And then you can totally order it on Dutch.com. And sometimes they do have sales too. So I say to look out for that. I give my clients a little bit of a discount and then I also package it with a consultation. So that way they're not just stuck now with, it's a basically a bunch of dials. And so you look at it and it can be a little bit intimidating. So I recommend having someone look it over for you. So if you're currently seeing a naturopathic doctor, you can ask them about the testing, or if you're seeing a nutritionist or whoever you're seeing, ask about the test. Okay. That makes sense. It's one of those things that, cause like some people with insurance or whatever, you want to find something that's affordable, but also that's going to help you. Because like you just said, like if I took that, I'm like, what, what do I do now? <laughs> I don't know what any of this means. So, like you do need help and guidance at some level. So that's really helpful. And then what is the main difference between the Dutch test and the GI map test that you mentioned? 
Great question. So the GI MAP test is a comprehensive gut test. So the Dutch test is really comprehensive for for hormones. You see all the breakdown. The GI MAP test is for your gut. So I did mine after I got a parasite in Mexico and I couldn't eat food for four weeks straight. And I was just like any food or water I had, I was throwing it up. It was horrible. Oh my God. So I was like, okay, my gut's a mess now. My hormones are a mess after getting this parasite. I really want to see what's going on. So the tests are a little bit more expensive. So I didn't do them back to back. I did the Dutch test. And then a couple years later, I did the GI map test. And it shows so much stuff. So it shows H. pylori, for example, which turned out I had. So that's what's causing a lot of acid reflux, heartburn symptoms. It shows some parasites. There's over 500 different types of parasites. So it doesn't show all 500, but it shows the top roughly five or 10. And it shows your probiotics. So if they're low or high, and on this test, everything is from green to red. So you can see a dial based on if you're sitting in the yellow and it shows where you want to sit in between there. Yeah, there's all sorts of markers, candidas on there. So if you really want to see what's going on in your gut health, the bad gut bugs, the good probiotics, any gut markers basically would be on that test. Got it. Okay. So the GI map test is better for knowing what's going on in your gut. And personally, actually, so talking about my symptoms that I experienced 10 months in, which is that normal? Like I was fine. And then 10 months, I got every symptom in the book. (laughs) Typically at three months, you start to notice a change. But then anywhere like 10 months or a year later, things can just go haywire, depending what's going on in your life as well. Yeah. If you have a lot of work stuff going on, if you are traveling a bunch, if you are low on sleep, then all of a sudden it can send this cascade and a domino effect. It's like one thing then leads into another thing. Yeah. Your adrenals, your thyroid, it's all connected. Everything in your body's connected. So that 10 months later, for some people, 12 months, all of a sudden stuff can just start to change. Yeah. I could get so off track here. I'm like thinking back, like, hmm, it could have happened there. Yeah. But nothing really stressful happened. But I think like the way that I live my life is not good for my hormones. I wake up, I work out, I drink coffee on an empty stomach, and I don't eat breakfast until 1130. Like I'm doing all the wrong things. But that's just like how I lived my life on the pill. So I didn't want to change it. And then I was like, I need to change something here because... I experienced bloating. So I think the GI map test is something I would definitely want to take coming off. And if I experienced that again, like I would eat a banana and I would blow up. And I was like, that's not normal. And the acne were my main symptoms. But can we go through quickly some common symptoms of hormone imbalance? And if that's telling us anything specific or just that like our hormones are imbalanced? Definitely. Uh, There's so many things and gut and hormones go together too. So if you're experiencing gut issues, that can also lead into hormone issues as well. Acne is a big one. So that would be one of the main ones that I see clients for, especially that's the number one thing when they're coming off the pill. They're like, I just don't want acne anymore. I'm in my mid to late 20s. Like I just don't want to deal with teenage acne. And I totally understand because I was there too. And then any type of irregularity. So whether their period is totally gone, that happens a lot too. I'm always surprised at some of my clients who have been on the pill or some sort of birth control IUD for let's say 10 years. And like, I haven't had a period in 10 years. I'm like, oh man, like we got to get that connection back online between your brain and your ovaries. So that's a big one. Just 
missing period, and then everything else under the sun. So a heavy period, a painful period. Some of my clients are going through pads and tampons every two hours. And it's just like, you can't leave the house at that point. It's just, it's so, it's heavy bleeding. So that's not normal. You shouldn't be changing whatever it is, your cup, your pad, your tampon in, in two hours. That's way too little. Something's going on there, whether it's a fibroid or some sort of condition. So those would be the top ones. And then digestive issues is a big one. Low libido as well. Bloating is up there. Just generally fatigue. If you're wired and tired, those are big hormones. So wired and tired. Basically, you wake up tired in the morning and then around like 10 p.m., you're ready. You have all these ideas. You're ready to work. You're just, you can't sleep. So that's wired and tired. If you experience that 3 p.m. crash, if you have sugar cravings, cold hands and feet, thinning hair, that would be related to thyroid. Okay. Yeah. And then I keep asking the same questions, but like if you're experiencing (laughs) hormone imbalance, then you recommend taking those tests if you're not on the pill. If you're not on the pill, get some testing. If what you can do right now is blood tests, then absolutely. Luckily in Canada here, it's covered. So for any of my Canadian clients, I just recommend if it's been over a year, get some blood work done. Um, Vitamin D is a big one too. I used to work at an oncology clinic and that's something we always ran. So I always recommend vitamin D, iron for my clients, B12 as well. Iron and B12 go hand in hand. LH and FSH, especially just for hormones in general if you're a female, but if you suspect PCOS, LH and FSH are two that I recommend. And then bonuses, or I would say also the basics, but estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, if you're not on hormonal birth control. And yeah, so I would recommend that. And then yeah, supplementing based on symptoms, making sure you're managing your stress. That's it's such a big one, but it's so easy and simple for me to say, just balance your stress, manage your stress. Just be calm. <laughs> just chill out. But it's, <laughs> it's so much harder than that, right? You have to go on this self-discovery journey of what works for you. Because if I like yoga and walking and you're like, heck no, it's minus 20 here. There's no way I'm going for a walk outside, right? It, it totally depends who you are, where you're living what you like doing. So this year I'm focusing on creative unwinding as well. So instead of just going to TikTok late at night, I'm like, what can I do? Can I color? Can I knit? Can I crochet? Need a, I'm exploring more of creativity and that creative unwinding instead of just instantly going to my phone. Mm-hmm. All that can definitely play a role. I honestly don't remember your question again. So (laughs) well, from that, I want to get into like, what are habits? And like you just said, everyone is going to have different interests and what works for them. But what are some good habits to keep hormones balanced? And specifically, is drinking coffee on an empty stomach really bad? Because I do that. (laughs) Yeah, so you mentioned all those habits that I try to recommend my clients not do. But sometimes it's just like meeting you where you're at, right? So if my client is going to McDonald's three times a day out of convenience or whatever it is, you're just getting takeout three times a day because your job is so busy, you don't have time to cook. Then I'm looking at alternative restaurant options, things like that. That is just as quick and easy, but a little bit healthier. So if you love coffee first thing in the morning because you need it for energy that I'm asking you, did you have a good night's sleep? Are you always tired in the morning? Or is it just 
out of habit? Do you just like the taste? Do you love that warm cup in your hands? So then it's like, okay, can we do an herbal tea in the morning? Or can we switch to matcha if you need that caffeine? So it depends on the person because some of my clients love the taste and it's just a habit and they love and it's cozy and it's comforting. Depending who you are, I'll throw out a couple options, but I also love putting chocolate collagen in my coffee. That collagen provides a healthy source of protein and fat, so it'll slow some of that release of caffeine. So it's a little bit easier on your adrenals, which produce your stress hormone, which also means it's a little bit easier on your thyroid if you have some thyroid stuff going on. So like little things like that, instead of putting sugar, white sugar, could we do stevia drops? Instead of if you're sensitive to milk, can we do almond milk or coconut milk? Little things like that, that we can do some switches on. And it totally depends. Some people are all on the dairy train. It doesn't cause them problems for some people who are like me and, and notice a difference with dairy and acne, then could we switch to something else? So that would be a big one for skin specifically because we're on the topic of skin. There are some things that can worsen acne that are very common and trendy. So I mentioned B12 can be one of them, but also sometimes in your greens powders, chlorophyll. I know. <laughs> I'm drinking it right now. <laughs> it can contribute to acne. Any of those algae, sea veggie plants, so seaweed, chlorophyll, chlorella, spirulina, super trendy sea moss as well it can worsen acne in some people i know sea moss is super popular so yeah those sea veggies see if you notice a difference for you for me i was snacking on those sea snacks that is a mouthful like crazy those <laughs> little seaweed snacks i was snacking on those i was drinking spirulina i had the spirulina drops and my skin never got better. Um, I was taking B12 tablets as well. So I was doing it all. And I was like, why is my skin not getting better? Like my hormones are balanced. I have the test to prove it. What is going on? So I focused on my gut and then just removing some of those common acne triggers. Sorry if you love any sea veggies or it's going to be dependent on the person. So you can test it out. So I try and find a greens powder that doesn't have sea veggies for my clients with acne. So that's one. Sugar, dairy, gluten, coffee, alcohol are big triggers for just hormones in general, for skin, fatigue, thyroid, you name it. This is dependent person to person. So I'm not going to tell you to live a boring life. Don't go out on the weekend. <laughs> drink zero alcohol. If you're someone who just isn't willing to give that up, it's your life right? So I want you to live your best life. And I'll just tell you better options. So for instance, tequila, soda water, lime would be a better option. Wine over beer, like little things and see what you feel best with, but a low sugar cocktail, things like that. And then everything in moderation. Yeah, alcohol, coffee, if you can delay it a bit, even better or pair the collagen or some MCT, some sort of healthy fat and protein to slow the release. Skincare is a big one for acne checking to make sure that your products are not clogging your pores, things with oil. So unfortunately, a lot of the natural non-toxic products can worsen acne if it has jojoba oil, shea butter, oils like that, that can clog your pores and worsen acne. So make sure all your products are non-comedogenic. Okay. Yeah. So I think to be successful in this hormone balancing process is like honestly keeping a daily tracker, whether it's in your notepad or like just writing down 
if things affect you or not, because actually it's funny that you said that about the greens powder, because I just bought a new greens powder. Cause again, it's trendy and like everyone's having it and it tastes good apparently. So I'm like, okay, I want to try it. And then I look it up and people are like, it gave me acne. That's all I need. I just started clearing my skin. I don't want that. So I think I'm going to continue to drink it because I do like it and I like the taste of it. But just really checking in with my body and being mindful of what is happening here will be helpful. Yes. It's like your intuition. Everybody has it. You just choose whether or not you want to tune in. So Mm -hmm. just start paying attention. That's all I recommend is just start paying attention, making connections. If you went out one night and you drank a bunch of alcohol, had a horrible sleep and woke up the next morning with a bunch of acne and new pimples, then you can start to make that connection. Whether you write it down or not, but just think in your brain, okay, I drank this, I got low sleep, it could be both, it could be one or the other. And Mm -hmm. then just slowly over time, the more you get to know your body, then the more you'll know what is causing what type of symptoms and you can really pinpoint. So just start paying attention is where I recommend starting. If you can write it down in some sort of app, amazing, because that would be even better. If you're chaotic and you just have 400 (laughs) notes on your notes app like me, (laughs) then I totally understand mentally make a note of it. Just start paying attention. And the more you get to know your body, the better, because then you can better advocate for yourself at the doctor's office. You just have a better time knowing yourself. And I find that so beautiful in your 20s just to really get to know yourself, what you like, what you don't like, what's causing your hormone symptoms, what works for you, what doesn't. Yeah. I could not agree more. Last year, I went through just honestly everything in the book last year, but for the better, (laughs) because I was just, I struggled with anxiety. I I came off the pill. My main goal was to just not live in my fight or flight anymore and really just calm my nervous system. It is really beautiful to be more in tune with your body. And the more you check in with yourself, the stronger your intuition is. Because two years ago, my intuition was probably screaming at me and I did not hear a thing. So I think really just like checking in with yourself and being mindful of when you eat different foods or I'm also dairy free. And I actually had to self-diagnose myself because doctors didn't tell me that. But it's just really good if that bloats you, if it makes you nauseous, it probably isn't good for you. And everyone is so bio-individual. tomatoes can hurt one person's stomach and give them acid reflex and the other person not. So it's really important to be mindful and just get to know yourself. But do you have any, before we get into cycle syncing and close out, are there any habits that scream, this is really bad for your hormones? Oh, (laughs) it's going to be like everything I do. I mean, sleep is a big one. But okay, I'm trying to think of things that are not vanilla because like people know, okay, sleep. Yeah, they've heard it a million times before. What would be disrupting your hormones? Like, you know, estrogens is always a cool topic. Those would be toxins in the environment. If you're spraying your perfume, especially right on your thyroid, right on your neck, that can disrupt your hormones. If you have great plugins in your home, that can disrupt your hormones. Uh, Yeah, from your shower products, there's We put so many products on our body, on our skin, on our hair, breathing it in. We want to smell nice, all these things that can disrupt our hormones. And then what you're eating, as we know, alcohol, coffee, like we talked about. What else? Can we clear up the coffee thing really quick? I know you said like everyone's different. You'll recommend different things to different people. But 
in an ideal world, what would you say is the best way for a female to enjoy coffee? Like they wake up, do they wait a little bit longer? Do they eat breakfast beforehand? Like what would you suggest for someone that's willing to change their habit? Oh, good. Okay. I like specifics. Yes. First thing I recommend, if you will not give up your coffee, switch to organic. There's coffee is one of the most highly sprayed crops in the world right behind cotton. That's a big one. And then if you're drinking decaf, I would make sure it's Swiss water pressed versus chemically pressed decaf. That would be one as well. Make sure it's organic and get Swiss water pressed if you want decaf. And then waiting. So the caffeine delay is not only better for all your the hormones in your brain, dopamine, all that is much better. And then I try and have a cutoff of 12 or 1 p.m. because it will stay in your system and for a lot of people disrupt their sleep. Uh, for my genetics, my DNA, I know coffee and me do not agree. Uh, if it's anywhere past noon, I'm just, I'm not sleeping. I delay it. Ideally breakfast first so you can have something in your system so it's not like coffee straight into the bloodstream, straight to your gut. It could be a little bit harsh if you also have a sensitive stomach uh, and it can cause a lot of symptoms as well. So I know for myself, some of my family members, my friends, my clients can cause some anxiety jittery, a shaky feeling, lightheaded, upset stomach. So for some people, coffee is just a lot for your adrenals. Those stress hormones, they're right on your back, <laughs> right above your kidneys. So for some people, it's just a, a lot for their adrenals. So food first, ideally, and then having it with your meal or after your meal. So delaying it a bit and then adding in some sort of collagen would be best. If you are willing to, switch to matcha. Matcha is wonderful. It has a little bit less caffeine, but for me, I find it wakes me up just as much. And then it also has something called L-theanine, which helps to calm the mind. So if you are someone who experiences a lot of anxiety with your coffee, if you switch to matcha, that L-theanine, matcha doesn't cause jitteriness like coffee does. And then with that component, it'll just calm you down, calm everything down. So you're awake, but you're not stressed. You're not jittery. You're not that shaky feeling. You're just awake and calm and cool and ready to take on the day. Yeah, I love the feeling that I get from matcha, to be honest. And I really like the taste, but I also love the taste of coffee. This is probably unhealthy. <laughs> like, I like the feeling of a little bit of jittery. It makes me more productive in the morning. And I drink coffee when I'm working out. So it's almost like a pre-workout. I make my own cold brew at home. I'm not sure if it's organic or not. I have to look into that. But I can definitely tell the difference between drinking a matcha and drinking a coffee with the jitters, the anxiety. It's crazy. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> totally use it as a pre-workout. Uh, beetroot is also great if you want to look into other natural pre-workout options so you're not getting too much caffeine. But it totally depends. And some people are just have been drinking coffee for so long that mm -hmm. that caffeine just doesn't affect them the way it would affect someone who's a newly coffee drinker or just not used to caffeine or like my poor <laughs> sensitive DNA is just like coffee is just a lot for me. So I have to drink a little <laughs> bit at a time so I don't get nauseous. But yeah, matcha for me, if you get the good kind, because I used to work at a tea shop for four years. So I'm like super into the tea and matcha. But Ooh, cool. Yeah. The not so good matcha, like the cheaper, there's culinary matcha and then there's higher grade ceremonial matcha. The culinary grade is like a deeper darker green and it tastes like grass if you get a really good high quality matcha it'll taste sweet and like ice cream if you put some non-dairy milk in it it tastes so good so 
get the good quality stuff if you tried matcha in the past and you're like, oh, this is gross. It's not for me. It's probably just not a high quality brand. Yeah, I can definitely attest to that because I've had high grade ceremonial matcha that was good. And then color wise, it looks totally different when it's good matcha and not. Do you have a brand that you recommend for good matcha? I, oh, my partner once went to Japan and brought me back matcha and it didn't have, it was like this beautiful purple and green tin container and it was the best thing I've ever had in my life. Currently, I actually don't know the name of it, but I can send you a picture after if you want. Okay, yeah. And then I'll put it in the show notes for everyone. Perfect. But it's from Uji Japan, UJI, which is the best place to get your matcha. That's something to look into. And then, yeah, if you... Next time you're buying matcha, peep, make sure it says ceremonial grade and not culinary grade because that will make an entire difference. And then store it in the fridge like your nuts and seeds. It'll go off easier if it's sitting on the counter in your cupboard. So right when you buy your matcha, put it in the fridge as soon as you Interesting. I never knew that. It can just keep it fresher for a bit longer. Um, Yeah. Yeah. With your nuts and seeds, a little side note, fridge or freezer so you can preserve some of those oils. Okay. I'll be doing that. I didn't know that. (laughs) And then to close this out, so cycle syncing, I know briefly of the different types of our cycles and things like that. But what is cycle syncing? And can you do like a little brief run through of the different cycles and what's good to be doing at different cycles? Yes, I love cycle syncing. And it's a lot easier to do if you are getting a period. And it's something I recommend too when you're coming off the birth control pill just to really get to know your body. There's four different phases. So everyone knows their bleeding phase when you get your period. That's like visually there's a difference. You can tell the way you're feeling. A lot of people just want to stay in. So that would be the menstrual phase or menstruation. That would be phase one. And then we, after that, we head into follicular phase. And you can also think of them like the seasons. You and I both experienced the four seasons. So menstruation, you can think of like winter. And in the winter, what do we want to do? We just want to turn in. We want to drink a nice warm hot chocolate or a tea. We want to stay under the blankets. We're not as social compared to other seasons. So after winter, we head into spring. And that would be your follicular phase. So things are starting anew. Same with your emotions. You're totally open to try new workout classes, try new things. You're more creative at this point in your cycle. So if you want to try cold plunges, a pottery class, a group fitness class, this is the perfect phase for that. And then after spring, we move into summer. And this is ovulation, aka the time to get pregnant or avoid pregnancy. So this is when you're most fertile. And it's the perfect time to do podcasts, ask for a raise, go out on date nights. You are more glowy, you're more curvy, you feel really good at this phase. And then after that, we head into the luteal phase, which is the two weeks right before your period. So this would be fall when you still have a little bit of energy, but you're headed into that winter. So You're also wanting to relax more. It's a great time to do cleaning. A lot of people naturally experienced 
nesting, but with cleaning and organizing. So that week or two right before your period, I'm like, okay, I just need to clean everything. I need to organize my paperwork, all the files on my computer. I want to go through all the photos on my phone. I want to file my taxes. Like that's the perfect time to wrap up projects, do all your paperwork. And then we move back into our bleeding phase, which is when we're just a bit more intuitive. Uh, It's a great time to stay in, watch Netflix movies, journal, connect with your inner divine feminine. So those would be the four phases. And like I mentioned, a lot easier to track if you are getting a regular period and you can still, you won't experience the range of emotions and and ups and downs in your hormones if you're on the pill, but you can still tap into those phases, learn about it while you're on birth control. And then as you come off, you'll start to notice some of those emotional shifts, hormone shifts, and you'll just have all the knowledge ready to go. Yeah, it's crazy once you become aware of which phase you're in and then the similarities of every month. And I know there's foods to eat and ways to work out to go with your cycle. Yes. And I noticed a difference as well, doing yoga or doing more intense workouts. Do you think that is something that is really beneficial for for people to do, like different workouts during different phases? A hundred percent. It's just so much easier to go with the flow than to walk against people. Like if you're walking in a city like New York or LA and everybody's walking one direction and you're just there trying to go like right in the middle (laughs) against the crowd. That's how it feels compared to just walking with the crowd is just so much easier. It's easier to get where you're going, get to that goal. So I found when I started cycle syncing, I was like, oh, I already feel this way. So it just naturally makes sense to do the things that I feel like doing, right? And my partner knows too. He's all up in my phase and he knows when to make plans with other people and when I just won't feel like going out. If we want to try something new or go on a hike or try a new adventure, it's like, okay, follicular phase or ovulation is I'm totally open to those things. And then that week before your period too, a lot of people, that's when they get the sugar cravings, all the PMS symptoms, the pain that week right before. So I'm like, I'm just going to stay home and do these things. And with working out too, you're just supporting your hormones. If you're going to do a high intense exercise during your bleeding phase, your body's already naturally going through this huge bodily process of bleeding. And it's just a lot and it takes a lot of energy. And like mentally after the whole month of managing all sorts of stuff, it's just your time to relax. And if you're doing HIT during this time, then it's just going against that grain and it can cause a shift in your hormones and it can throw off some things. This won't be the case for everyone. I have had a couple of clients who were athletes or who had commitments and totally understandable, but the more you can connect with your face. So for instance, if you're an athlete, then look at cycle syncing different areas of your life. So mentally, physically, emotionally, what else can you do besides that physical activity or working out to support those phases? And can you give me just like a few examples of different areas of our life that we can cycle sync? Yes. Exercise is a big one. During menstruation, you can do nothing at all or go for a walk. During follicular phase, a group class, group fitness, a new class that you want to try ovulation, for sure, the HIIT, the spin classes, high intensity, anything cardio-wise, that's a great time to do that. And then luteal phase, Pilates, strength training, weightlifting, kettlebell classes, yoga, 
and then you just cycle through that again all next month. Mm -hmm. And then other areas, date nights. So you can either have self-date night or friends. So any type of relationship, whether it's friends, family, yourself, a partner. So during follicular phase, try new things, go to a new restaurant, try a pottery class, go rock climbing. During ovulation, you can do something more intense. You're also going to be feeling more of that love and that connection. Your testosterone is going to be at its peak. So you're going to want to be, for most people, more sexually active. But if you're not trying to make a baby, then beware. <laughs> We're confident yeah. in this phase. <laughs> and then we move into luteal phase. So for me, I'm like, I want to connect more to myself. So it's 50-50 coin toss, depending where I am in my phase. If you can split up those two weeks before your period as week one and week two of luteal. So during that first week, I'm still a little bit outgoing. But that week right before my period, I'm like, don't bother me. I'm journaling. I'm doing my vision board. I'm taking a bath. Like, I want to just mm -hmm. watch a movie, catch up on my shows. And then menstrual phase, it's like me, my couch, my cup of tea, and my heating pad, and I'm chilling. So I'm, if I can avoid it, I'm not going out. I'm just relaxing, staying at home, reading my books or listening to my audiobooks and chilling. Other areas, your work too. So like I said, during ovulation, you can ask for a raise. Luteal phase, you're doing paperwork. Follicular phase is a great time to start projects. It's like everything's just going to be new and exciting and creative juices are flowing. Your brain is connecting the left side and the right side. Any big ideas that you have is a great time to start during follicular phase. And then, yeah, luteal phase, wrap it up is a great time for that. You can really cycle sync any area of your life. You mentioned food too. There's, if you just Google, there's all sorts of foods you can eat for the different phases on how to support your body. So really, any anything you can think of, you can sync it with your cycle. Amazing. Yeah, that's super helpful. I could ask you probably like 50 more questions, <laughs> but we've already been talking for an hour. So <laughs> I'll wrap it up here. But this was all really helpful, especially coming from someone that had their hormone challenges. I'm really excited to incorporate all of this into my life. But I love to ask all of our guests this question. What is one thing that you recommend to our listeners on the days that they're feeling unwell? Ooh, it depends what you're struggling with being unwell, like if it's mentally or if you're experiencing the winter blues. But I would always say tomorrow's a new day. And one thing I always try and remind myself is if it won't matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes on it because there's been a lot of areas in my life where things just didn't go as planned. Like, for instance, I was studying to be a dietitian and that path didn't work out. And I just remember like wanting to cry all day. And then I was like, nope, I just like tomorrow's a new day. I just have to think outside of my body because when there's a problem, you're in it. Like you're so deep in the trenches of just thinking about this problem. So I have to take myself outside like third person and think, okay, is this going to impact me in five years? Can I make a different change? If it doesn't matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes on it. I love that. Yeah. It's so important to zoom out sometimes, especially when you're, oh my God, my life sucks. There's nothing going right for me. It's like, all right, zoom out. And it's actually really a non-event and maybe even a week. So yeah, right. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, and then where can everyone find you? Yes, I'm across all platforms pretty much at nutritionmoderation.com. And then I have a podcast as well called the Holistic Women's Health Podcast. And those would be the big places to find me. 
Got it. Yeah, guys, the Holistic Women's Health Podcast. That's how I found you, Alex. So good. So helpful. If you want information on hormones, that's your podcast. But thank you again, Alex, for joining me today. This was super helpful, super fun. And we will see you guys next week. Bye, guys.